Welcome to Christ Church Anglican. We hope that you are blessed by today's sermon. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So I want to take you back to a time, maybe when you were a kid, but I want you to think back on those days that you would stay out all day long, playing outside just at the end of the day or dusk. And maybe if you lived where I lived, you could start to see the fireflies start to kind of light up around the trees and you might go fill it up with a jar. But going back to that place of being a kid, and I was really, really fortunate because I grew up in a place that that was really easy to do. I grew up in a tiny, tiny town. In fact, the town that I grew up in, Anderson, probably isn't much bigger than the property this church sits on. It's small, really small. But we had the whole world at our fingertips. I have two brothers that are three weeks younger than me. They're stepbrothers, but we grew up together. And so we always had companions. We always had somewhere we could go. We always were out for adventure. So we would leave our morning or the house early in the morning. And it's what we did every single day because one, we weren't allowed to see, be in the house when my mom wasn't there. So we kind of got sent outside and you went. And so we would go to creeks and we'd go out in the woods and build forts. We'd take our BB guns. Like we were living the dream. In fact, we thought that because where we lived was one of the oldest towns in Texas. Sam Houston had camped his troops there at one point. I mean, it's an old, old town. The house I grew up in was built in 1850. So it was old. And we, we decided that we were probably going to find treasure, treasure that would, would probably find something that was really important from the days when Texas was a country. Um, we bought a metal detector by mowing lawns. We never found anything but nails few horseshoes, lots and lots of bottle caps. But that was our day. We felt like we were free. We didn't have worry. And an amazing thing would happen. We would leave in the morning and we'd start working our way back home. We'd go to the furthest point out that we possibly could by bike or by foot. And then we'd start working our way back. And sometime later in the afternoon, we always ended up either at Chris Shimshack's house in the backyard or at the front of the Baptist church on Main Street, and we'd play baseball. And every kid in town that was within a few years would go and hang out. It's just what you did, because there weren't very many of us. So we start going to play baseball, and you'd have to play two or three positions at a time. Like you, could have been, like you could have been the second baseman and the right fielder. And then sometimes you might have to be called in to catch, all, kind of, all within this thing. But it was amazing, and it was fun, and it was great. And there was one thing, though, a hard and fast rule that, that you had to live by. And there was no getting around it. Because we were in a small town and the only streetlights were downtown, there were only a couple of them, there wasn't a very reliable method to get, know that it was time to go home. We had the mom on the front porch system. And when mom on the front porch system, she would stand on the front porch and she would call you home. And you could hear her across town because one, it's not very big. But it was one of the things that was really remarkable. One of the things that I love the most as I look back on this is it didn't matter what was going on in any way. It just didn't matter. You would hear a voice, a, a name be called out or just come home. And it didn't matter what you were doing. You dropped your bat. You, you just took off and you went home. You didn't have the excuses like I didn't hear you because we were right there. But you went home. And another thing that was even more remarkable about it is that no one ever went to the wrong house. I know, seems crazy. Someone, everyone's mom is getting on the front porch. They're hollering out a name or just say, come home. It didn't take much more than that. You knew who your mom was. 
you knew her voice, and you headed that direction. It may not even be completely intelligible, but you heard, you knew the tone. You knew what it was. You went home. And if you didn't, big, big trouble. Because if your mom had to leave her house to come find you, even though it was like 100 yards long, the whole town, you're in big trouble. You were, you were, your freedom was revoked. You were stuck at the house. You'd have to stay in your yard. And then you'd see your friends walking by or riding their bikes. And you're like, hey, y'all should come play over here. We got cool things in my yard. They didn't. And they left you. And you were there by yourself. And that was the end of the story. And it was a great, sweet time. And as we look at this passage, there's so many things about it that remind me of those days of hearing a voice and going home, of being called to a place where you knew there was safety and you knew there was security. There was something great about after a long day of getting up on your front porch after hearing your mom's voice and you'd have to, she'd have to inspect you in case you had to get stripped down and hosed off in the yard because you were too dirty or muddy. It was home and you were fed and cared for until the next day. And this passage is so much like that. The voice of the Lord that calls out. And it's where I want to head into today in John. Because I think it's very applicable to us. So to understand this though, you have to know what Jesus is saying. He says, I am the good shepherd. But to understand what that means, you really have to understand what sheep are like. And what the role of a shepherd is. Otherwise, it doesn't mean anything to our modern rule. I know what sheep look like. I've seen them. I don't know anything about them other than that. They're just white animals that you can get some wool off of. And, and I guess, you know, whatever you do with sheep. So this is what you have to know. You have to know about sheep. So let me read this. This is from Philip Keller's book, Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. And it talks about what sheep are like. Among the animal kingdom, sheep seem to have come out on the short end. From all accounts, they are limited intelligence. When it comes to finding food, they are definitely uncreative. As creatures of habit, they will follow paths through desolate places. And even though not far from away is excellent forage, sheep are also given to listless wandering. There are even accounts of them walking into an open fire. Shepherds confirm that they are a timid and stubborn. They can be frightened by the most ridiculous things. At other times, nothing can move them. They are absolutely defenseless. There is no way a sheep can defend itself. Furthermore, of all the animals subject to husbandry, they take the most work. There you go, sheep. No, I'm kidding. But think about that. That's what, I mean, these are my sheep. And there's something about it that is powerful to look at this passage because sheep are so utterly defenseless. They are so in need of care. They need a shepherd. It says that cast down sheep can get on the ground and not be able to get themselves up and they could die because they can't get back up because they were too fat. But if a sheep would wander off too much, a shepherd would break its back legs, not enough to maim it completely, but break it and he would carry them on over his shoulders and he would carry him until the legs were healed. And after that, a sheep would never stray very far. He knew that by caring for him and keeping him close, he could keep them safe. So we know in this scene, what happens in, in chapter 9 of John 
is that Jesus has healed a man born blind and there's this great discourse and argument going back and forth and the Pharisees are trying to figure out what's happened and who did it. And it was on a Sabbath and all these rules that come with it. And this poor kid who was born blind, who they go to his parents and say, who did this? They're like, we don't know. He was born blind, but we don't know about this guy. So Jesus begins to explain to them who he is. And it is a great, beautiful picture of his care and love for us. So the first part of 10 starts off by saying, but he who enters by the doors, the shepherd of the sheep, to him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own. Sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him. For they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand it. So I've kind of told you about sheep, but I also have to tell you about the role of a shepherd. Because this is really about the shepherd and not the sheep. So they follow him by his voice. They know him. In fact, they said that today you could go to someone who heard sheep. You could put on their clothes and you could start calling out his sheep and you could try to disguise yourself. They won't come because they know their shepherd's voice. So a sheep pen, as they would set it up when they were out foraging or wherever they were, maybe even in town, they could go and build these little sheep pens out of stones and the sheep would go into it following their leader, the voice of their shepherd. And then the shepherd would stand at the gate. He would sleep right there. He was literally the gate for them to come through. And only his sheep would come. If you mixed up a bunch of sheep, only his would follow him. They know his voice that well. But I want you to think about what he's saying. I am the sheep gate. Jesus is saying that to get into this gate, to get into this fence, to get into this protection, you need me. I am the way in. It's not the first time or the last time that he says something like this. I am the only way. So let me tell you about what this passage says about Jesus, the good shepherd. It's very powerful because they would understand what a shepherd did. And David does it also when he describes God in Psalm 23. And Jesus uses this metaphor to explain himself. And then he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Who is good but God alone? By doing this, it's an I am declaration of who he is. He is saying quite literally, I am God incarnate. I am like the Father. In the most practical way for a shepherd, the most important thing in their life is, are the sheep. There is livelihood. It's how he makes his money from the wool, from the food. They are everything to him. And to be an effective shepherd you have to spend a lot of time with them. And to be a, an effective shepherd, you have to be willing to lay down your life. Since they are his property and they are his livelihood, the, she, the she, shepherd will do what he can to protect. We have a God who protects. Three things that you need to get from this that are really important. The good shepherd protects. Jesus being the good shepherd is more than him being just a shepherd. He is saying he's God. And in verse 12, it says, he is the hired hand and not a shepherd who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. 
The ways of this world are the, and the enemy within it are, have come to kill, steal, and destroy. They're not going through the deck gate. They're coming over the back wall. They're going, it is what Jesus has come to protect us from. A hired hand doesn't care about you. A hired hand is going to flee when danger comes because it's just a job. He doesn't own you. You're not his. So that if a wolf comes or a lion comes or whatever there may be, the danger is that he will scatter and ravage the flock. He will kill and destroy. That is his purpose. I want you to listen to this from 1 Samuel, Samuel um, starting at verse 34 of the 17th chapter. It says, But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by the beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. David's responsibility in this passage is to protect his sheep, and he was willing to do anything to do that. Jesus' responsibility is to protect his sheep. He will lay down his life for the ones that he loves. A hired hand won't do that. The enemy won't do that. His thoughts are to destroy. This is why David wrote Psalm 23. Because he knew the characteristics of a shepherd that would care for him in the way that God cares for him. That in a relationship with that shepherd, there are no needs or wants that God provides. And as Jesus calls himself the good shepherd, he's saying, I'm like my father. Just like my father. In the same way God cares for his people, Jesus cares for his people. The good shepherd is loyal. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, Jesus knows us just as well as he knows the father with intimate knowledge. There may not be a more dramatic expression of intimacy than the, how, the, how the father knows the son. They are they are so alike. They are, he knows them intimately. But incredibly, Jesus doesn't just say the way that I know the Father, but he says the way that I know my sheep, the way that he knows you. Think about that. We get to be called children of God, but he's also saying, I know you. I know you. He doesn't protect all of his sheep. He protects his own sheep. He says in verse 14, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me, I know the Father. The good shepherd also is loyal because he is always present. They know their shepherd and their shepherd knows them. The shepherd knows his sheep so well. In fact, when they were together, all of them in a flock, he would begin to name them by the characteristics that they had. They all kind of looked the same to me, but he would know them that much. Listen to this, another passage from the book. Jesus knows us in the most profound ways. He knows our past with its failures. It hurt, it's hurts. He knows our present, our unrealized longing. He knows us in the most intimate ways. He knows our idiosyncrasies. He calls us by our characteristics. I sometimes wonder if he calls us some of the things we would not want to be called. It's quite possibly possible his affectionately calls us grumpy or fearful or faithless, just as we might talk to sheep if we were shepherds. 
Think a little bit more about this. It should be encouraging to think that not only does he know us, but we know him. They will listen to my voice. We know Jesus' voice. We know what it sounds like. I know my own and my own know me. We are invited into this relationship of deep knowledge and relationship with Jesus. Jesus wants us to know him in the same way he knows the Father. And that's why Jesus spent a lot of time in prayer so that he was able to continually align himself with Jesus' will. Sheep are in sync with their owners. They are in sync with their owners because they know him. They know how he leads. And sheep are loyal. If Jesus is our shepherd and he calls our name, do we obey? Do we follow? Do you know his voice? What are you following if it's not that? Because the voice that we should be so familiar with should lead us. But to do this, we have to know it. And to know it, we have to spend time with him. We have to go into his words that he speaks to us through scripture. We have to have this intimate relationship in time so we begin to recognize the voice of God speaking to each of us. And then finally, the good shepherd is glorified. In verses 17 and 18, we find out that it is so important, we find out that the good shepherd is willing to lay down his life, that we can completely, wholeheartedly trust him, have faith in what he is doing, that he has given us life. Jesus is our good shepherd because he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself and made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant from Philippians 2. That he humbled himself and became obedient even to death on the cross. Our good shepherd was willing to lay down his life for you and for me. He took the form of human and he knew what he was in for. He laid down his life for the sheep. Jesus was willing to go to the cross. And he also protected man from taking the wrath that we so deserve because of our sin. He protected us when no one else could in a way no one else can. He protects us from our sin with his own life. His sacrifice is the ultimate price to pay for you and for me. He did it willingly, knowingly. He did it for you and he did it for me. This is selflessness. And this is what real love is, real love, true deep love. Godly love is selfless. It's not regarding yourself as better than anyone else. It is putting others before you and putting other people's best interests in mind. This is our example. Jesus was always focused on glorifying God. And because he was bringing glory to his father, the father is bringing glory to him through his death and his resurrection and for his care of his people. Jesus knew what it would mean for him to have to take on the sins of the world. He that was without sin, he became sin. And like sheep, we've all gone astray. But our shepherd is looking. As I look back on my adventures as a kid, as a boy, and what it was like, I am so drawn to those memories that are so rich My brothers and I still laugh about things that we did or things that we thought we had accomplished. We really never could make the, put a dam in a creek and make it stop flowing at all. We never really found any treasure, but the adventures we had were sweet. 
but we always knew where home was. We always knew the voice of the one that was calling us. And as I read this passage, my question for each of us is, do we know the voice that's calling us? Are we willing to follow as he leads? Do we go where he leads us? Do we hear him? Do we recognize him? Are we willing to follow who is leading? Or do we choose to ignore it? Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us to have a shepherd who gives his whole life to care for us. Father, that you have a voice that calls out to us. Father, I pray that we would be able to understand, to hear, to recognize who you are and who is calling us. And it is in the name of your son, Jesus, our good shepherd, that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, feel free to visit us online at ccanglican.com. We hope you will join us again soon.